Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about the clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all of his splendor, was dressed like one of those. If that is how God clothes the grasses of the field, which are here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Some of you like to follow along with my message, and you'll see the outline in the bulletin. And unlike your typical sermon, today's sermon has ten points. So I figure I have approximately three minutes to go through each one of them. So um, uh, hang on and uh, let's study the word together. I'd like you to look at the outline today because at the very beginning of my message, I'd like your help in finishing my title. Notice there's a blank. Um, You've just heard the passage read, and how would you summarize it? In my titles, I try and take the whole message and condense it into the titles. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but that's what I try and do, so that if people go away and the only thing they think of is the, is the title, well, then you've got the point for the day. So, um, take a look at it. I've filled out the first point, or the first half. Don't worry, be... No. Happy is wrong. Uh, okay. Now look at the passage again and let's try someone else. Um, I'll look at this section of the congregation and then we'll come back to you guys, see if you, you can get it. Okay. Don't worry. Be. Okay. I heard somebody say focus on God. That's a pretty good answer. Anyone else? Don't worry. Be. No. Don't say happy. <laughs> You can be happy, but you ain't going to get that from the passage, okay? So, try it again. Um, I'll, I'll give this side one more time, and then I'm going to go to you guys, okay? Don't worry. Be... What? Somebody said humble? What else? Don't be anxious. Okay. All right. 
I'm just going to pretend like they didn't show up today and I'm going to go over here. Okay, so let's try it again on the far side. I love the far side. Anybody love the far side? Um, okay, on the far side, don't worry, be... If anybody says happy, uh, you know what it's like when you're teaching and one kid gives the wrong answer and then you turn to somebody else and they, they give the same, same answer? causes the teacher to wonder, are you paying attention? People, happy is not the answer. Okay, one more time, and then I go back to you guys. Okay, don't worry, be... <laughs> okay, now, I am really glad that y'all are happy, um, but the correct answer is... Um, uh, no, it's, it's not quite happy. Do you see how much the world has affected your thinking? Okay, I'm asking you to take the message of Jesus, okay? And this amazing passage, which is one of the most important passages in the New Testament, and try and internalize it. The world says, don't worry, be happy. We know that. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, don't worry, be trusting. Okay. Okay. Anybody come up with a better title than that? No, if no, please don't say happy again. Okay. Um, another possibility is don't worry, be don't worry, be a trusting disciple or be a disciple. Okay, anything like that works. Okay. Well, that was very interesting. I've learned a lot about the congregation. It will help me as I continue to preach. Um, sometimes I think that God made me a pastor because he knew that I needed to be in the Word of God so much because my life is a mess. And there's no place where I see myself to be more of a mess than in relationship to these particular things that Jesus shares with us in this particular passage. This passage is about worry. Now, I'm going to ask a few more of you to respond, um, but what do you worry about? Raise your hand if you want to share. What, what do you worry about in your life? Anybody over here? Anybody worry? What? Okay, you worry about your kids. Okay, someone else. What, what do you worry about? School, okay? School, grades, uh, pleasing your parents. Um, somebody over here? What do you guys worry about? Getting a job. Yeah, getting a job. Okay, someone else, what do you worry about? Say it again. Okay. So, what, what you have in this passage is Jesus dealing with four particular subjects where he wants to help us overcome worry. And what I want to do in this passage is go through the principles that have helped me uh, deal with worry and anxiety in my life. But this passage deals with four issues. It deals with possessions and worry connected to that. Um, it deals with money and worry connected to that. It deals with clothing and it deals with food. So we've got four major areas. And you can see, as we look at the first verse in verse 19, there's a principle that comes from it. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Well, thieves breaking in and stealing, we, we sort of understand that, but what on earth is a vermin? 
vermin. Like mice, mice, rats, little rodents that get in and cause problems. Um, That's what the NIV says. I'm reading from the New American Standard usually in my devotions, and it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy. So, what's the difference? Why does one version say rust and the other version says vermin? The reason is, is that when we come to the Bible that you have in your hand, it's the best compilation of all of the manuscripts that we have from ancient days that are still with us. And sometimes these manuscripts disagree. Now, the good news is, is they only disagree in about 2% of the places. And none of those places deal with any major doctrine. In most instances, there are things like word order. Peter and John went with James to this place, or James and Peter and John went. And so you have a reversal of word order. That's what most of them are. Or maybe verb tense, um, from the subjunctive tense to the imperative tense. I think of Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, one version says, let us have peace with God. The other version says, we have peace with God. So most of the discrepancies in the biblical text are these small matters, and here's one of them. Um, The text tradition upon which the New American Standard was based says rust. The text tradition of the New International Version says vermin. We're going to go with vermin um, today. And the principle from it that Jesus is giving us is that you can overcome worry and anxiety by not storing up vulnerable treasures on earth. Uh, I grew up in Florida, and Florida has a lot of vermin. It also has a lot of insects. And one of the things I loved growing up was my father would always take me to the 7-Eleven to buy comic books. Now, I know this, this is not something that many of you relate to because your dads didn't do that, and we live in the Internet age. And so your dads take you to the store to buy a cell phone or a tablet. And my dad took me to the 7-Eleven to buy a comic book. Um, and I had, like, the Superman comic books. I had the Batman comic books. I had the Justice League comic books. And I had some first editions. I had the first edition of Superman. Do you realize how much this thing is worth? So when I went away to college, I left all of my comic books in my closet in Florida, which um, not only is a floodplain, it's also Insectsville, okay? So I go away to college, and I come back, and during that time of being away in college, I remember reading an article on how much my original copy of Superman was worth, and I'm like, sweet, I'm going to go home on this break, and I'm going to go through all my comic books and see how much my collection is worth. So I get home, I open up my closet, and guess what? The termites had gone through them all. Some of them were completely disintegrated um, so that the paper, what was left, just crumpled in my hands. Now, that's an illustration from this passage. Do not store up for yourselves vulnerable treasures on earth where vermin destroy. Um, On another occasion during college, I had a lot of lessons to learn in college. But I had a record collection. Once again, I'm dating myself. We used to not have CDs or access to downloadable things that we put on our um, i our our i um, things like our iPhones and, and our iPods. But when I was growing up, we had LPs, vinyl uh, records that were about this big. And I loved my vinyl record connection because beginning beginning in high school, I was a classical musician, and I went around and I got the great 
um, conductors who are still alive today to autograph their signature recordings. So I had Eugene Ormandy, before he passed away, uh, sign um, his Sibelius II recording. And I had all these absolutely fabulous recordings. I had the, the Chicago Symphony, Cleveland Orchestra, and uh, Philadelphia Orchestra brass section's Gabrielli album, which is like the standard brass album um, of, of the last 50 years. So I had some real treasures in it. And I let a friend of mine borrow my record collection because she had a class over the summer. And what she did when she finished the class and went home um, to California is she took all of my records and she put them in the communal storage area that a lot of people had the keys to and a lot of people had access. Then when the year started over again, and it was my, um, I think it was my um, master's year, uh, and we get back, I say, well, did you enjoy my records? And she gets this look on her face. And she's like, they're not here. And I'm like, what? And she's like, they're gone. And somebody had stolen my record collection. That was lesson um, number two. But you know, sometimes... Adults are slow. So there was, there was lesson number three. Uh, Evie and I get married. Uh, people give you bridal showers. You get a lot of things. You get a lot of presents. It's really cool. Um, it's one of the things I really, really enjoyed about getting married. But then God calls you. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I got a flashlight. I got a tool set I'm still using. Um, and I got a Bible I'm still using. Uh, there's a lot of reasons to get married, but the presents are certainly one of them. Um, that was not in my manuscript. Now, let, let, let me move on. Let me tell you what happened. We get married, then God calls us to be missionaries. And you know what missionaries do? They pack up as much as they can take, just like Abraham packed up all this stuff, and the Bible says he put it all on camels. We put all of our stuff in 15 62 linear inch boxes, and then gave them to a company called Executive International that was based in New Jersey when we were living in Philadelphia to go as your missionaries from this congregation to Taiwan and China for the first time. And so, like, three months goes by, hey, where's our stuff? And call the guy at Executive International and he's like, it's coming. Six months goes by, hey, where's our stuff? Uh, we don't know where, where your, your stuff is. Well... Everything that was really important to us was in those 15 boxes when it comes to possessions. And there's a good ending to the story. My my father-in-law helped me figure out that actually they had stolen our stuff and had it in a warehouse. So we paid a bribe and got it back. Um, But that wasn't until like two or three years later. And by that time, you know, we didn't need it anymore because we had replaced most of the stuff. But my point is this doesn't matter whether it's your record collection. doesn't matter whether it's everything that you think is important when you get married. What we do as human beings is we store up treasures on earth. And brothers and sisters, Jesus is saying that is a cause of anxiety. The more things you have, the more anxiety you have. And so what Jesus says is instead of doing that, you can overcome worry and anxiety by storing up eternal treasures in heaven. How many of you have invested in Bitcom? You know, no, did I even say it right? Bitcom. I, I, anybody? Anybody? Is it com or con? Coin. Bitcoin. 
I'm sorry, my English is really getting worse. Um, so, Bitcoin, uh, that's taking a nosedive. It went up, it went down. And one of my friends, who was an elder in our church in Taiwan, he was so excited when it was up, and you know what? He's not even talking to me right now as it's gone down. Because he doesn't want to hear Pastor Tim say, I told you so, I told you so. And he'll still say, well, it's still at 200, 236% since the beginning of the year. All right, he has a point, I have the point. But the point is this, if you put your treasures on earth, then they're vulnerable. If all your savings are in stocks, they're vulnerable. And yet we do it, and we do it because on the one hand, you have to have money in order to live in this world. And Jesus never says that there's anything wrong with having enough to live in, but he does say that there's something terribly wrong with storing up for ourselves treasures on earth if where our treasure is, there is our heart also. How do you feel when you lose what your earthly treasures are shows you where your heart is. And that's the point he's trying to make. Notice as the text goes on in verse 22 and verse 23, it's really sort of an illustration of what he's getting at. It's not a disconnected passage from what he's saying. He's still dealing with the idea of your treasures and where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. So he talks about the eye being the lamp of the body. And he talks about if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then he concludes what he's saying in verses 22 and 23 with a point in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. So what is this illustration about the eyes um, all about? He's talking about our eyes are the place where we set our hearts on what we're seeking. It all starts in the eyes. And he's saying, your eye, it's the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Well, let me ask you, what kinds of things are you going online to look out to buy? Here's his point. If you're setting your heart on it, it's a problem. If it's something you need, to, you need in order to live in life, that's one thing. If it's something you're setting your heart on. And you know what, people? We do it all the time. I just could not wait for the Samsung... Um, I had one of those Samsung exploding Note 7 thingies um, and I returned it and then they said they fixed it, they gave it back and then they took it back again. And that was a really traumatic thing for me because I, I really liked the phone. Um, so then they gave me this other phone that I didn't like and then when the Samsung um, S8 Plus came out, I couldn't wait. Okay, now I confess to you brothers and sisters, I love my phone. Do you love your phone? Is your treasure where your phone is? Okay. Um, here's the test. How many of you are willing to give me your phone? And if you give me your phone, I'm going to sell it and then give the money to Harvey victims and to Irma victims. Anybody willing to come up here right now and give me your phone? Take out your SIM card. Anybody willing to give me your phone? Okay. Some of you are saying, I don't have a SIM card. Some of you are saying, I don't have a phone. <laughs> okay. Is anybody willing to give me your phone? Okay. Well, what is that telling me? That's telling me one of two things. Now, listen closely. That's just telling me one of two things. 
Number one, it's telling you that you need your phone. Okay, I get it. You need your phone to do your work. You need your phone to call your mom or your dad. I get it. But you know what else it's telling me? It's telling me that like me, you guys love certain things. And this is the problem. And so Jesus makes a general principle in concluding his examples in verse 24 by saying, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve, that's the key word, serve both God and money. What are you serving today? I'm not asking you what do you need in order to live. I'm asking you what are you serving Because if you're serving money, then you're going to be full of anxiety when you don't have all that you want. And that's where our hearts are, and that's why we need so much to learn what it is that God wants us to do. So, what's the cure for anxiety? Well, Jesus says in verse 25, notice he connects what he said in 19... through 24 together with this connecting word, therefore, so now I'm going to make some conclusions, some illustrations, I'm going to ask you some questions, I'm going to use reason and deduction, and I'm going to bring this message home. So Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes. Don't you see that Um, the Lord wants to get our attention that the things that we're worrying about are things that actually He's already provided and wants to provide for us. Notice what He says going on in verse 26. He gives an illustration. He says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You know what Jesus is telling all of us to do? And I want you to do this this afternoon. Go out and take a bird walk. Just maybe walk out there. Walk out there. Um, You don't have to walk very far. And within a space of five minutes, I guarantee you something, you'll see a bird. And if you look at that bird, that bird does not have a look of anxiety on its face. I've never seen a bird... Well, there's one kind of bird I saw in the zoo one time that had anxiety. Actually, the bird had hatred in its size, but I'm not going to talk about that. Um, Most birds are happy-go-lucky. Why? Because they get to fly. I always wanted to fly. Well, the bird gets to fly, but the interesting thing about birds is they don't have refrigerators. You ever notice that? There's no refrigerator refrigerator for a bird where they can take... They're not like squirrels. Squirrels are pretty cool. They're like, okay, pecan, berry, yes, yes, yes. And then, you know, when winter comes and then winter goes, the squirrel comes back, digs up his food. He's like, yes, I planned. Just like the proverb says, observe the ant and be wise. Okay? But we're not talking about squirrels, people. Jesus doesn't say, go look at the squirrels and be wise. No, he says, go look at the birds and lose your anxiety. Why? Because you look at them. They do not sow or reap. That means they're not the ones planting their food. They're not the ones harvesting their crops. And they don't store away their food in barns. And yet your father feeds them. See, the problem is, is that we don't learn enough from God's general revelation and lessons He wants 
to teach us from nature. So Jesus says, okay, I'm going to make it simple for you. I'm going to give you a really simple illustration that all of you can wrap your hands around. Look at the birds. How many of you looked at a bird this week and went, thank you, God, man, I don't have to worry, man. See that bird, it's happy, it's got enough to eat, it's smiling. None of you did that. Very few of you did that. You need to do that, okay? And then, you know what you need to do? Look at the point Jesus makes at the end of verse 26. You need to realize every time you look at a bird that the same Heavenly Father that feeds them on a day-to-day basis cares for you. Are you not much more valuable than they? Birds often end up as roadkill. One time I was driving my car and this like kamikaze um, crazy crow and, and it was big it crashed right into my windshield sometimes you know birds are roadkill and they seem like they're cheap and they're here today and gone tomorrow so what's a bird you know we kill chickens we eat them all the time kind of thing where maybe you don't do it but that person who prepares your food in the grocery store to buy they do it what is Jesus's point look at the value chicken human what's more valuable This crazy bird that kamikazes into your windshield when you're driving at 55 miles per hour? Or you, who have been made in the image of God, who God loves enough that He sent His Son into the world to die for you, that your sins might be forgiven, and that your heart might be renewed, and that your life's direction and goals might move from self back to Him. Don't you realize, brothers and sisters, He loves you. And that's the amazing thing about this passage. The one thing it does is it just constantly reminds us, your father loves you. I have a dog. I have a chihuahua. He actually was sick last night. He was throwing up and pooping in the bed at 1.30 in the morning. So if I look sort of weird tonight, I mean, today, um, tonight, you can tell I haven't slept very much. Um, the, the dog had a problem. And the dog's not even a human being. But you know what the dog does? He comes and looks at me if he's hungry. And he goes, ooh, ooh, like that. But every single time I pick him up, he stops going, because he knows that when I pick him up, I'm going to take him and give him food. You know what needs to happen to all of you today? You need to realize that the Heavenly Father has reached down and he's picked you up and he said, you don't need to worry. I'm going to give you what you need to eat. And there are more illustrations and more points that Jesus wants to make. Notice verse 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour uh, to, to your life? Now, here Jesus goes from illustration and to use your brain, okay? Try and rationally move from anxiety, which oftentimes is irrational, into a position of figuring it out, stop, think, and realize this. Jesus says, realize worry cannot help you. Not one bit. And that's the point. Um, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? You know what the problem is with worry? It's the acceptable sin in the church right now. It's, It's a sin in the scripture that's become a virtue in our life. Especially if you have, uh, shall I say, a, a parent who's very concerned about your grades in, in school. Because the parents pride themselves on that anxiety that they then take off their shoulders because they're worried about how you're going to do and put it on your shoulders. Um, they think that that kind of worry is going to make you a better student. You know what? It's not going to. It's not going to work. 
I've tried it. I've been there, done that. It does not work. It does not work at all. So Jesus says, you need to realize that worry cannot help you at all. And that's very hard for us to understand. It can't add one single hour to your life. It doesn't make you a better person. It doesn't make you a better student. It doesn't make you a better father or mother. So Jesus goes on and says this. Okay, let's talk about clothes. How many of you worry about clothes? Raise your hand. Do you ever worry about clothes? You teenagers, you better raise your hands because I know that sometimes you worry about clothes. Okay, a few of you are honest. Um, or maybe I'm just projecting my angst from my teenage years on you and I apologize. Um, but I worried a lot about clothes when, when I was a teenager. And so Jesus um, asks uh, a question. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all the splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Okay, now wait a minute. We got another, another illustration here. We're not just going and taking a bird walk. We're, we're taking a nature walk. And now we're not just looking for birds. We're looking for lilies. We're looking for beautiful flowers that appear amidst the grass. And do you know what? When we, when we look there, what do we see? We see something amazing. Something so beautiful. Something that causes us to realize if God clothes that, that's only here temporarily, and clothes this beautiful flower that only blooms for maybe a week and then it's gone, will He not clothe you? And take care of you. You know, there's a saying that goes like this. The clothes make the man. Well, that might be true, but I think it's the shoes that make the women. Uh, the shoes that makes the woman. You ladies are supposed to laugh. That was, that, that, that was a joke. But the point is, is that sometimes we think way too much about clothes. That's why people like Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg are really good examples. Because they just like, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm just going to wear the same thing all, all, all the time. And so they... Eliminate the need to worry about your, your wardrobe. But in this passage, Jesus is not dealing with our worry, which is, are we fashionable enough? He's dealing with, do I have something that's going to protect me from the elements? And so he reminds them, God takes care of the lilies, of the grass. Don't you see, brothers and sisters, that in this entire passage, the main point is this, to realize that God knows your needs Jesus even says that. Don't worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When you're seeking first God's kingdom... And his righteousness. You don't worry about those things because you, you know that God is trustworthy. And the last principle I want to deal with in my conclusion is the tenth principle on my outline. A key to overcoming worry is live for today. Jesus says, don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's Jesus' way of saying, live for today. This present moment. 
You can't change the past. You can't access the future. The only thing you can do is live right now in the presence of God, your Father, who loves you, who's proven it by giving you His Son, and who reminds you of it every day when you see a flower or a bird. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your love. Thank you that you give us these reminders. We confess that we're stupid, we worry, and there's no reason for it because you love us even more than you love the kamikaze birds out there. So Lord, we pray that you would put your love in our hearts. We pray that you would put trust and faith in our lives so that we wouldn't spend one moment of our lives worrying when we think about how much you love us. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.